Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. Got to take your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight, a perfect line. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, tonight, and I apologize for the long song. It's the studio's behind for some reason, so we're having a, a little bit of technical difficulty, but not enough to slow us down, hopefully not. The chat room is up and running right now, so come on in. Enjoy the Carolina Panthers playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mutra TV, and and listen to some some great sports talk tonight. Well, we're going to go back. We haven't had a show since Wednesday night, and that was before Auburn-Kansas State game Thursday night. We're going to discuss that game. We're going to discuss the ups and downs of Saturday and Sunday. A lot of great games out there, a lot of action. But, you know, we're only through four weeks of college football, really, and it's, it's, it's time for people out there to just please do me a favor and quit making your predictions, please, of the Final Four. It changes every day, and, and it's just getting annoying seeing people's Final Four every week like they're experts. But the, the thing is, if you were experts, you wouldn't be changing them every week because you would already know. You would, you'd be a fortune teller. You'd have a, a crystal ball and be able to tell. But look. Just because Mississippi State beat LSU last night doesn't get them in the Final Four ESPN. I'm sorry, but we have a lot of football left to play, and and Alabama looked great yesterday. Doesn't mean they're in the championship penciled in. Auburn looked bad at times Thursday night. Doesn't mean they're out of it. I mean, it's just so much football left to be played, and it's just almost ridiculous at, at how many people out there just go week to week, up, down, up, down. And my advice is, Let's let the season play out. Let's let conference games get into it. And if if you, you look at a team's ranking right now, if their schedule's tough, it could be changing very shortly. And, and you look at the SEC West right now. It, I mean, it's stacked right now with teams up in the top 15, but they're going to play each other and they're going to beat each other and cannibalize each other until probably at the end you'll have two teams fighting to see who goes to Atlanta out of the West now, the East, I can't tell you. I, I don't know who's going to win that division. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you who's going to win the West. That's how wide open it is. And I'm not going to sit here and speculate and, and try to guess because until you see them on the field, A&M, a good team. But I think the the South Carolina game week one was a little uh, – people are reading too much into it. I'm, I'm interested to see how A&M plays when they play Arkansas, A&M – or Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Auburn. I'm, I'm real interested to see that, and Alabama as well. But tonight's NFL game, the Carolina Panthers at home against Pittsburgh. I want to throw something out real quick to you. Carolina's undefeated at home. Pittsburgh looks terrible. Yet Carolina is only a three-point favorite at home. That does kind of alert me to everyone out there watching this game that that line seems funny. Pittsburgh could easily win this game because that line should be about six, six and a half, but it's three, and it went from three and a half to three, so it has dropped. So very concerning there that that, that line's at three. So look for the Steelers to play a lot better tonight. Uh, maybe we'll see. And Trey just sent me a message that he's going to be a little bit behind tonight, so he'll be with us shortly. But I've got a I've got a blast, Dabo Sweeney tonight. Tonight's show, I'm going to start out and I'm going to do some rants a little bit. We'll we'll discuss the games in detail when Trey gets here in a few minutes, or or if he can't be here, I'll go ahead and start uh, going over all the games. But Clemson, come on now, you have a game one. Florida State has handed you this game on a platter. First, their quarterback acted like a, a moron, and then. All of a sudden, they're turning the ball over. They're giving you a chance to win the game. And I'll never get it why a team, if a fourth down in inches to score a touchdown, or anywhere for that matter, you're going for it on fourth down. Why are you five yards deep taking a, a shotgun? 
that's what I don't get. Clemson tried it twice last night. Uh, the first time, I think it was early in the fourth, maybe late in the third, they snapped it over the quarterback's head 20 yards, 25 yards, out of field goal range, missed it. Then the next time to be able to to win a game, they go for it, shotgun, and they get stuck. Florida State's not a team that you're going to be able to finesse. They they have five-star athletes all over that field, and granted, they, they spent a lot of time on that field last night. They're still – five-star All-American players. So Dabo Sweeney, I mean, and any coach out there, not just you, I'm just picking on you because I don't think you're a great coach. I think you're very overrated, but I'm just going to talk to any coach out there. Look, put your quarterback in, go under center, snap the ball, and reach your hand across the plane. That's it. Clemson, you gave a game away. And what's funny is Clemson's one and two right now and they're projected to go to the Orange Bowl. I mean, come on. Clemson Clemson may lose five games this year. I don't care what kind of schedule they have. That's not a good team. Winston, had he played that game last night, it would have been a 40. It would have been like last year probably. It would have been a, a route. Winston was a huge factor in that game. And and another thing, let's rant a little bit about Winston. You know, you, you suspend the guy for an entire game. He's not. He doesn't have a chance to play. But yet, he dresses up in full shoulder pads, helmet, knee pads. He comes out warming up, and and his coach has to tell him, hey, uh, Jameis, I know you're not the smartest, uh, the sharpest tool in the shed, but you're not supposed to be dressed out here. You need to go back, take off the pads, and come back. But, you know, ESPN called for Jameis's head, really. They wanted Jimbo to, to suspend him, ABC, every media source out there. Was was saying Jimbo was too, you know, too light on Jameis. But why do you have the camera on him every play? And I don't know about everybody else out there, but I thought it was ridiculous that we had to sit here and see Jameis Winston on every play. After every play, the camera would go to Jameis Winston, and it was getting very annoying. Where I almost couldn't watch the game anymore. Um, so I watched Mississippi State LSU. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about that dirty center for LSU for Mississippi State that has been kicking people for two years. He he kicked an Auburn player while he was down last year, stepped on him, got suspended for a half last night against LSU. This was some dirty stuff. If you'll go back and watch the the film on the center for for Mississippi State, he stomped on the stomach of one player for LSU, and then he kicked a growing on another one. So if you're out there, Dan Mullen, and I know it's you, you rat bastard coach, I know you're behind coaching like this. And, and you know, LSU is not my favorite team either. But these guys get out there and give it all they have every day. And to be hurt by some scrub, thug, punk, somebody, something needs to be done. And, and I'm calling for this guy to be – suspended for the, the rest of the year. That's why he deserves it. Obviously, the half-a-game suspension is is not getting through to the kid. So what are you going to do? You're going to kick his ass out of the SEC and out of football. Once I saw that, I went back and watched it. I was irate. Officials, that they did call a personal foul on him later in the game, but it wasn't on that. I don't understand how you cannot see that being an official, what he did. And I know offensive line – you get in the trenches, but this is a, a 300 plus pound guy running down the field, jumping up in the air and landing on another one. And uh, sorry, I'm I'm trying to compose the dog around, but it's just very annoying when I see a team play like this. And and I don't care what anybody says out there, this is coaching, because if, if Dan Mullen wasn't behind this, this kid will be gone. I mean, that's, that's how you'll know. So I'm interested to see what the SEC does about this dirty play like this. And I understand a little contact after the whistle. Sometimes you get rough, roughhousing each other, but you can really hurt. Hold on, please. I apologize for that. I don't, I don't understand why this happens every Every Sunday night I'm on air, but I apologize. Um, 
try not to let that happen again. But something's got to be done with these players like this. Dan Mullen, he is a rat bastard piece of you-know-what. I'm sorry. Uh, I picked Mississippi State to beat LSU. That happened and everything. But somebody needs to go and find Dan Mullen and slap him right in his face because there's nothing worse than dirty players for me to have to watch that, especially in the SEC conference where these guys are are probably going to go to the NFL. They're working for something more than what they're doing now. But, uh, I mean, it's just that's how brawls get started. That's how wars start on the field, people. So if you're Mississippi State out there, any player, coach listening right now, I hope when you're playing in your SEC conference this year that that every one of your guys get cheap-shotted. Every one of them, because that's what it's going to take, hopefully, to wake it up. So, SEC out there, make sure that you do something about this, because if you don't, someone's going to kill this kid out there. I promise you that. It's already going around on the Internet. You can see all the the plays, and the guy said it was unintentional. But, you know, if you're an athlete and you have a, a brain cell, you'll understand that it's not. But Winston, again, on the sidelines, I mean, I know he wants to be a cheerleader for his team. And, 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 you know, I can take an approach for Winston. You know, a lot of people say it was selfishness. He did that and everything. But what if Winston actually loves his teammates so much, his team so much, that he just wanted to be out there with them and be a part of it? I mean, I don't think Winston has much more in life than football. And he is a kid. He acts like he he's 12 years old sometimes, but I don't think he's a violent kind of person or or anything like that. I just think he wanted to show support of his teammates. He let them down by his actions. He knows it. Everybody knows it, but he wanted to be there for them. And, and I'll tell you what, the, the quarterback, I don't know how Florida State would have done last night had Winston not been in there helping the quarterback after, you know, he goes on the sidelines, he makes a mistake. Guess who's right there with him? to talk him through and to keep him pumped up. That was Jameis Winston. So I know there's a lot of negative talk about Winston going on out there, but had Winston not been a coach and a cheerleader last night, I wonder how Florida State would have, you know, the outcome of that game would have been. So a lot of people in the negative for Winston, but that's kind of a positive thing I saw. But I, I I don't think a suspended player should be able to dress and be on the sideline with the team. And Jermaine Whitehead for Auburn did not get to make the trip. He was suspended for the Kansas State game. He didn't make the trip. He wasn't on the sidelines, and I don't think he's going to be back this week either. But college football is coming a time. You're seeing the NFL. It's time for coaches to be men out there. And you don't even have to get it all the way up to the top, to the AD or the president. You as a coach, your job is to develop these kids into into men. That's your job. They come in as young men. They're confused. They're immature. Your job is by the time they leave your university that they're they're young men ready to go out into the world. And, and I'm concerned that some coaches are looking at winning more than more than developing these kids. They look at it like, hey, just one more year and they'll be out of their hair. We won't have to worry about them. But while they're here, we're going to win. But that's a, a a bad approach to take. And I've seen a lot of coaches drop the ball. I've seen Nick Saban drop the ball. I've seen Gus Malzahn light on his punishment, but he's gotten more strict. Mark Rick's one of the coaches out there that, that will discipline, and he will kick people off a team in a heartbeat. And sometimes that's bad. Sometimes he needs to be a little more lenient. But there's a fine line, and coaches need to come together. They need to have meetings. They need to have conferences together where they talk about how to discipline these kids for their actions and they do it consistently. So if you smoke a joint in Georgia, instead of getting kicked off the team, you get uh, two games. Well, Auburn should be the same way. Alabama should be the same way. Southern Cal, UCLA, everyone should have the same policies. I think that would be a fair thing to, to do, in my opinion. So just want to throw that out there that – I think Jameis Winston, if he's not careful with this investigation going on right now, he could be in for a rude awakening pretty soon. And I think Florida State sent a message to him this past week. This was a, probably one of the biggest games on Florida State's schedule. 
and they they benched him for it. It could have easily, as you see, like as you saw last night, that could have easily been a loss for Florida State, and, and it would have knocked them out of the playoff. I promise you that, because that would put them two games behind Clemson, and I don't think that Clemson was going to lose two more ACC games probably, and Florida State would not have made the the championship game. So I don't think that would have made it. Let's bring on Trey real quick if he's available. Trey, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, buddy? I'm talking about your boy, Jameis Winston. Um, what were your thoughts last night with uh, Jameis being on the sideline? And I, I think that was a key part of the victory for Florida State was having Winston on the sideline, being a cheerleader, helping the quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was important. Um, I don't know if you're asking if I had a problem. I think, I think, I think Winston did a good job of, of maybe showing um, – understanding his role last night, which was, you know, if he was pouting on the bench, uh, that would have really bothered me, and, and I would have been like, okay, this guy's done, versus being very energetic and being involved in the game. That was a good step forward for me. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I had a problem, first of all, with him being on the sideline. Why do you think he dressed out? Why Do you, do you think he did that just for attention, to, to get the attention, or do you think he really wanted to be with his teammates and be a part of the team? I think he really wanted to be part of a team with his teammates. Um, and there's no precedent for him not being on the sideline. Uh, everybody who's suspended usually travels if they're at home. Uh, they're going to be on the sidelines unless it's like an eight-game suspension for the NFL. It doesn't allow them to do that. But college doesn't have those rules. So um, it's pretty common for them to be part of the on the sidelines. Yeah, well, it was a big win last night. I wasn't impressed with Florida State. I wasn't impressed with Clemson. Like I said, but I mean, Winston's out of the game. That's, I mean, had Winston played in that game, it would have been, it would have been a disaster for Clemson. Trey, it would have been very ugly. Yeah, I, I think had Winston played, I think honestly, you saw in the first half um, how distracting this whole thing was. The offensive linemen were completely just sort of sleepwalking through the game, missing assignment. You saw no. Uh, if you watch the game, you, you won't see the center or anyone pointing out, you know, Mike linebackers, you won't see them pointing out the blitz. They basically were just there. Um, and I, I just think they were just so distracted. I think the team was really sort of catatonic. Um, and, you know, whatever Jimbo Fisher did at halftime really seemed to connect to the to the, the team. Uh, and for Florida State, they were able to pull, to pull it out. But don't you think, with all the distraction and everything, it would have been a good idea just to have Winston not dress out on the sidelines? Because, you know, as you saw on TV, the camera kept going to them, everybody talking about him, and you know it's it's a big distraction. Well, it's not a distraction for the team for him to be on the sidelines. I think the dressing out probably, or did, really annoy Jimbo Fisher uh, because that was definitely not something Jimbo wanted him to do. But wearing his jersey when you know and sweatpants on the sideline, I mean that's uh, I don't think Jimbo had any problem with that, nor nor would any other coach. Uh but the dressing out part obviously was was a, <laughs> was something Jimbo wasn't gonna ha have. Well, he was warming up taking snaps, Trey, like he was getting ready to go in. That was the funny part of it, you know. It's like dang Jimbo, but I I do think that and I honestly believe that that Winston would he loves that team so much that that he wanted to be there. He let his team down. He realized that. And I think he just wanted to do what he could to try to make it right. I think he just doesn't know how to, to sit on the bench. I mean, he's a superstar. He doesn't know how to to take a back seat and watch someone else. And I think at first it bothered him a lot, but as the game went on, I think he he bought into it a little bit. So I don't think he'll be hearing anything out of Winston anymore. Well, I mean, you hope so. I mean, I, I do think that this got Winston's attention. Uh, there's one thing that that a football player uh, values, you know, a lot, and, that, and that's playing time. So a guy like Winston, I'm not sure anything would have got his attention absent making him sit this whole game uh, and, and seeing the team without him. So maybe, maybe, maybe this will start a quiet Jameis Winston, one that we don't hear from except for football plays. Yeah, we'll see. And, uh, Jameis Winston's story continues. He has been announced. He is back at the starting quarterback. They traveled to NC State this Saturday, Trey. I don't think that will be an event. But, you know, it's college football. You never know what's going to happen week to week. As we saw 
yesterday some interesting games in college football that we will touch on in just a few minutes. But let's start in the NFL. I mean, some crazy wild games today. But we start with number five, the San Diego Chargers. I picked the Bills in this one. Uh, San Diego with a big win against Seattle last week, Trey. They come to Buffalo. They weren't affected by any time zone change or any kind of uh, overlooking Buffalo or a trap game. They took care of business early. I was very impressed with San Diego's ability to to score some points on the road. Yeah, I mean, San Diego, one of those teams that a lot of people have been high on, and I really needed to see something out of them. And today was one of those weird games that you might not think much of, but it really did. Buffalo, you know, coming in 2-0. and And here you have uh, the Chargers on the road. Um, and, and they were able to win this game. I was very impressed with the Chargers today. Phillip Rivers doesn't get the credit I think he deserves in a lot of instances, Tarvin. I mean, Phillip Rivers is a, is a really big, really big-time um, quarterback. Yeah, San Diego is a, is a team. Do you give enough a chance to compete in that division with Denver? I mean, we saw Denver today, and we'll talk about that game. But are you giving San Diego a chance to, to be a contender and, and to challenge Denver? I'm saying yes. Yeah, I think the way, especially the way we've seen Denver come out at the beginning of this year, I think that the Chargers are going to be able to move the ball in Denver's defense. And that's really what it takes. I mean, you're not, you have to sort of score with Denver. And I think that offense for, for San Diego, um, you know, Ryan Matthews being hurt um, definitely impacted them today. But you saw Donald Brown step up and Danny Woodhead injured. Uh, I really, really was impressed by the way they overcame two of two of their three running back injuries and, and won that game. But they're going to have to get those guys healthy to beat Denver. Definitely. And our number four game, the Steelers at the Panthers. Trey, anything to look for in this game? Three to nothing, I believe, Carolina early. But I was concerned that the line on this game was just three. Being in Carolina, I thought it would be much higher. Uh, Pittsburgh struggling. Why the line so low? Yeah, that's a weird thing. Um, you know, this is a game that I went back and forth before I picked on, you know, whether or not the Steelers could come into the Panthers and beat them. I, I just think right now the Panthers are playing too good at home, Tarvin. Uh, I'm not sure what the line. I think the Steelers are going to score on the Panthers. Uh, but at home, I think this is going to be – I think Cam Newton is going to hit hook up with Kelvin Benjamin in this game, and they're going to they're gonna beat the Steelers. This could actually be one where the Steelers can score on that defense. Yeah, I'm looking to see Cam Newton. I still don't think he's healthy enough. I don't know if he, he's going to be healthy for a while, Trey. I don't think he's just going to – I think it's going to take about three or four more weeks, and hopefully he doesn't get hit in order to re-aggravate something or injure it. But it's always risky when you have an injured quarterback playing. So we'll see how that goes. Our number three game – didn't disappoint the Baltimore Ravens on the road at Cleveland. Both teams one and one going into the day, but at the end of the day, I think the better team won. Trey Baltimore twenty-three to twenty-one, last-second field goal. Really, what do you think about this one? Yeah, you know, this is one of those, those those games that I thought the Browns would play very well. They're one and two. They easily could be three and zero, oh, but this is the Browns we're talking about. So you know, they just didn't get the breaks at the end of the game. Baltimore. And Joe Flacco has actually been playing pretty decent. Uh, this was sort of one of those bellwether games for Baltimore. They had to win this kind of game on the road to show that this is a team that can make the playoffs. They're not there yet, Tarvin, because they, you know, they struggled pretty good today. But, you know, without their starting running back um, as well, uh, they, they can, you know, three different guys at running back all played pretty well for the Ravens. So uh, we'll see what happens with them. But, uh the Browns are going to be disappointed with uh, their loss today. Well, one of the better games of the day, the next two games, actually, the first one, the 49ers went on the road to Arizona. I really didn't see Arizona, Trey, being able to beat them with uh, Stanton at quarterback, really, especially after the 49ers, I believe, lost last week. But all of a sudden, the Cardinals are 3-0 and in this division. They're number one, and it's, it's really shocked me. I know Quinn said that, that he picked Arizona to win the division, but I don't think that'll happen. But you have to be impressed with a 3 0 start by Arizona. Yeah, you know, the 49ers was one of those picks that when we picked our playoff contenders, I was really hesitant to pick them because that schedule's tougher this year. Uh, and you know, the Cardinals could be tough, but the fact that Carson Palmer's hurt, 
I just didn't think they would win this game. And uh, I went with the 49ers. I thought I just didn't think Drew Stanton would hold up um, in game two of his starting and his starting. Uh, and, man, Tarvin, he looked good. I was just surprised that, that he was sort of able to have so much success with Floyd against the secondary for the 49ers. Kaepernick played fine. I just think the 49ers right now seem to be imbalanced. They they seem to, you know, Carlos Hyde is playing okay. Frank Gorsey is playing, uh, you know, a little bit subpar. I think they're going to have to get a running game going before they can beat some of these playoff-type teams. Uh, and we saw that today, much to my surprise. Well, I don't think they have leadership, really, San Francisco. I don't think Kaepernick's a leader. I think he's a, an athlete at the quarterback position. I know some people love him. I'm not a big fan, but I just don't think he he's mature enough to really to help them when they're struggling, really. So this team could be in trouble. I mean, I'm not going to lie, Trey. I think I think they could be in trouble. One and two, I know it's early, but you never know. Three games through, they don't look good. But, I mean, they did play a good team. But Arizona, what is it about these uh, Michigan State quarterbacks in the NFL right now? They look pretty good. Yeah, I know, for real. Surprising. Uh, a lot of these guys are not exactly highly touted guys coming out of college. Some of them, uh, I don't even know if you knew where they went to college. Uh, but, yeah, they're all playing pretty well. <laughs> even, uh, you know, the, it's kind of funny because now, Tarvin, we're talking about there's three rookie starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And it's the one Michigan State quarterback holding off Johnny Manziel, so who's the only one left at this point, really, who we thought might start. Uh, so, you know, you have Bridgewater, who will play next week uh, in place of uh, Castle. You know, Carr already in uh, in Oakland. Uh, and, of course, Bortles coming in and being the starter now in Jacksonville with the injury to Henny. So, um, here we are, Tarvin. Manziel, when are we going to see him? Um, I don't know. I mean, they, you might as well, if you're Cleveland, if you start to tank, you may as well put him in and see what can happen. But I think it'll be in the next couple of weeks. We'll see. I don't think that's going to be the issue. But their number one game was the thriller of the day. The Broncos take their 2-0 and record to Seattle. And, you know, Peyton Manning came back, Trey. And go ahead, Trey, take this one. Yeah, this one I was uneasy with picking the Seahawks at home, even though they dominate at home. Just thought the Peyton and the Broncos would play pretty well, given you know a lot of guys are healthy. You know, Wes Welker back, they would be clicking, and really they struggled much throughout this game until the very end when Peyton Manning really led a miraculous drive with what 49 seconds, you know, on the eight yard line or something crazy, all the way down the field to score with the, you know the backup tight end. Really impressed, and then of course what happens after you get all that momentum, you lose the toss, and Seattle takes it in and scores. Um, man, good good win. Seattle now two and one. It's a big victory for them, especially with the 49ers struggling and the the Cardinals up 3-0 in this division. But the Broncos two and one. We'll have to see if this um, is sort of a sign to things to come when teams play them physical like this. Uh, but I think the Broncos are going to be okay, Tarvin. This was just a tough game. Yeah, I think so. I think so as well. But but Denver just can't win that big one, man. They they just can't win the big one. This was huge for them to go in. They had overtime, and they just allowed Seattle just to pick them apart and just score a touchdown. I was disappointed I didn't get to see Peyton, you know, come in there and, and have a shot to win it, but maybe next time. But, I, you know, Peyton Manning, it looks a lot better, though. At least they they played a lot better than they did in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was certainly a much better performance from Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Um, Wes Welker looked pretty good, you know, with a 60-yard receiving coming back. Uh, Demarius Thomas looked lost in the first half. I don't know where he was uh, in this game. But, yeah, I mean, better performance from Peyton, uh, even though he, he didn't play his best. Um, you know, this is just a good Seattle overall performance. Marshawn Lynch looked pretty deep. He did. And uh, anything else in the NFL that – that got your attention. Kirk Cousins had a good day today. It looked like the Philadelphia was able to to beat the Washington Redskins. I mean, the Eagles are undefeated, Trey, and they really haven't looked dominant. They're undefeated in this division. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles, wow. I mean, just really impressive what they're doing right now. Nick Foles uh, not uh, slowing down at all. Uh, but Kirk Cousins, man, 400 yards today, Tarvin, wow. And then the Denver or the Dallas Cowboys get behind, what was it, 21 to nothing, and they come back and win 34 to 31. You have to be impressed with, 
with Dallas on the road. But that's the thing that annoys me with Dallas, Trey, is you never know how they're going to play, man. I mean, they're so up and down that I hate picking them. I hate picking against them. I mean, it's just the, the team that drives me crazy in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I think I didn't put them on there probably because I honestly didn't know how they would play. It's one of those games that you're like, man, I don't really know what to do with this pick. Uh, but, yeah, Dallas, I mean, good win for them to be coming back. But you just you can't judge them, Tarvin. It's a week-to-week thing. And it drives me crazy. So leave them off every time because just it just frustrates me if we if we have them in here. So thank you, Trey, for, for cooperating and not giving me a loss every week because I swear I've never hit a Dallas game before. Um Carolina up three to nothing right now, about to punt it away late in the first quarter. Cam can't seem to get going early in the game. But Trey, this takes us to college football. If you'd like to call in six four six seven one six five five six four. Anything in the polls surprise you that you've seen so far in the AP? I mean, and the first question I'm gonna ask, and you tell me if, if if this is something you're thinking about, did Mississippi State get too big of a bump in the polls from beating L S U? Well, I mean, from an unranked team to where they, you know, I kind of think they did. I mean, LSU, um, <laughs> we didn't think they were a top ten team, at least you know, you and I didn't. So, I mean, really having, uh, you know, a, a decent battle between the two of them, I, I just don't think that win equated to that high of a, of a bump. And I, I totally agree. But I think Mississippi State's a, a, an improved team. But the the reason I was so big, and that's two weeks in a row, Trey, the big SEC upset right here, big South Carolina last week, Mississippi State this week, and it wasn't because I thought Mississippi State was was great. It was because exactly what we've been talking about. LSU is not a top-10 team. They don't have a consistent quarterback. Their receivers are going to the NFL. They're a young team, and this is a perfect time to get them. I'm glad Auburn plays them next weekend instead of later on in the season. But Mississippi State had to impress you. But I don't know if you saw, uh, and, and and we'll get to this game, but I want to bring it up. Did you see the center for Mississippi State stomping on the LSU players? You know, I saw someone tweet about that, but I did not see it um, at all. Uh, so tell me about what I, I saw somebody tweeting about it, but I didn't actually see what happened. Well, we'll go ahead and break it up. We'll just start with number five here. We may not go through every game, but – uh, Mississippi State center, last year he was suspended for a half of a game because he stomped on one of Auburn's players while he was on the ground after the play. And so last night he was running down the field and one of Florida's or uh, Mississippi State's, or, excuse me, I'm stupid, LSU's players were on the ground and he jumps up, he takes a running go and jumps up and kicks him right in the stomach. I mean, this guy's over 300 pounds, Trey. The guy had to leave the game. He was in pain. He was hurt pretty bad. Then later on in the game, he steps on another lineman. He jumps up and kicks him in the growing, and he has to be removed from the game. And later in the game, he actually got a personal foul for a late, late hit. And so can the SEC review this, Trey, and and maybe make a bigger suspension out of it? I mean, I'm thinking after you've already suspended him for a half of a game, maybe you take it to the next level and maybe half a season or something because this is getting dangerous. Well, I think under those facts, I think you got to do something with the guy for sure. And that that bothered me. But, but to see Prescott last night, that's why I picked Mississippi State, Trey. Prescott, uh, the better quarterback. I didn't have any questions about him. And that Mississippi State running game looked good, better than I thought it would against LSU. And, and Mississippi State's defense was able to shut down LSU's run completely. So if you have questions at quarterback and receiver and your running game, your strength gets shut down, Trey. It's, it's bad news. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. I mean, that, that is bad news. And you got to wonder uh, what they're going to do from this point. I mean, where where do they go from here, Tarvin? Trey must be distracted because he's agreeing with me. It's, it's odd that Trey and I agree all the time. He, he, <laughs> oh, man, probably... I, I'm so, so distracted. I can't, I can't even. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was happy to see uh, a Mississippi State team. And, Trey, that SEC West looks looks like a gauntlet for sure now. With And Arkansas and A&M played this weekend in Dallas. I mean, 
it's it's going to be crazy. But Mississippi State's about to get their schedule starting to go. They played at LSU. They're going to have to play Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, Arkansas. They're going to have to play some some tough games. So are you jumping on the Mississippi State bandwagon right now? <laughs> no. Um, it's a good win for them. I think it's their first win on a Saturday night. I think in fifth, 20 years, and it's something crazy. So, I mean, it's a good start for them, Tarvin. Uh, obviously, winning a road game is the first, I guess, you know, test that they've ever passed and that I can remember in you know, recent memory. So, uh, I give them a lot of credit for that, Tarvin, but I'm not on uh, on their bandwagon just yet. You think I'm going to try to pump them up, don't you? Don't you, Trey? You think I'm going to try to pump them up yeah, to yeah. The, the, the next big thing like I did Kansas State? Is that what your thoughts are? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm waiting for it. All right. Well, I'm, we're not going to touch on every game, but we'll, we may touch on this a little bit. But uh, a not surprising game to me, Georgia Tech went on the road to Virginia Tech. Noon kickoff, Trey. Virginia Tech beat Ohio State 35-21, turned around last week and lost to a good, it appears to be a good East Carolina team at home, and yeah. now they lay an egg against Georgia Tech. I mean, where does Virginia Tech go from here? I mean, it's terrible. And, yeah, Virginia Tech, I mean, you beat a top-ten team on the road, uh, and then you lose to East Carolina, and that turns out maybe a maybe a good loss, if you, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um but then you turn around and, and you lose at home to Georgia Tech, who who struggled mightily against a very inferior opponent last weekend. I know that the option and, and that scheme is hard to prepare for, Tarvin, in a one-week type of scenario. But here's the thing. They could have easily outscored Georgia Tech. It wasn't, uh, a, you know, oh, this is just a scheme problem for us. They caught us the wrong week. I just think Virginia Tech – is in a place right now. They really have to figure out where they're going, Tarvin. This Virginia Tech team, they, they're not improving at all. And you know why? It's Scott Leffler, the offensive coordinator for Virginia Tech, the guy that was at Auburn two years ago, Trey, that they couldn't even get a first down almost. He's the one trying to develop quarterback. He's the one play calling, and, and I think that's a terrible problem. And you have Bud Foster. He's been there a long time, man. I think Beamer has been there a long time. I think it's time for a new, some fresh blood, so to speak, at, at Virginia Tech. But a uh, tough loss for the ACC to the ACC yesterday. So we won't we won't beat up the ACC like we will beat up Missouri and the SEC for losing to Indiana, even though they didn't make our list. But our number nine game, Trey, which you talk about a hot seat, Brady Hoke. I don't think he survives the season. I think he gets fired in the next couple of weeks, uh, maybe not two, but by three-quarters through the season, he'll be gone. Utah comes into Michigan, Trey, and they had a lightning delay, and they came back out, and there was another Michigan fan in the stands. It was just Utah. I mean, thoughts on Michigan now, two and two. I mean, terrible team right now. You know, I had a feeling that Utah was going to play well in this game, I honestly couldn't pull a trigger in an upset just because I was like, man, this is Utah going to the big house, even though Utah's a Pac-12 team now. But, man, they went in and played very well. Brady Hoke, I agree with you. I give him I give him a month, Tarvin, at the, at the most. <laughs> He's gone. I think Michigan has to find a new direction. This is a program that college football, football kind of needs to be good. I mean, Michigan's one of those programs that's better when for college football if they're good. Uh, and they're they're bad right now. They're they're gonna they're gonna. This is a, maybe a, not even a bowl team. Tarvin we'll have to see. I mean, they're they're that bad right now. I mean, they couldn't even. I don't even think they probably had maybe a hundred yards on the ground. And this is Michigan. This is offensive line university. They always have good running backs and quarterbacks. Their leading rusher, fifty nine yards on fourteen attempts. Devin Gardner, the quarterback, 29 yards on 10 attempts. And I'm sure the other, those 29 yards was running for his life looking at that offensive line. But 14 of 26, 148 yards, no touchdowns and two picks for Michigan. Uh, it just doesn't get any easier from here. They're about to get into the meat of their, their conference. And I know the Big Ten's not the strongest conference out there, but if they're struggling to win these games, Trey, they're going to struggle in the Big Ten. There's a lot of teams that can that can beat Michigan right now. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that are going to beat Michigan in the Big Ten, which is, you know, right now you got to look at their biggest rivals, Ohio State and Michigan State, and you got to be real concerned about how Michigan's going to perform in those games. 
And 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 I don't know if you were in bed last night, Trey, but Cal and Arizona, my God, what a game! I mean, I don't know if you got to watch it. I know I went back and saw some highlights of it. If you're if you're into that sort of thing, but when you think it's over, Arizona's getting blown out. I picked them to win this game, by the way, and I I went to bed. I'll be honest with you, I'm a college football fanatic, but I don't think you're going to score 36 points in the fourth quarter to to win, but a Hail Mary pass puts Arizona on top of Caltrey, 49-45. to 45. I mean, is Arizona a good team, or are they going to be able to threaten the Pac-12? I think looking at a home performance like that, I thought that was terrible. Yeah, they're, they're not going to contend, and I was fast asleep when this game was interesting. So, uh, But shocked that they came back. Cal looked in the first quarter very, very good, and I was like, well, this Arizona team is certainly not what we expected this to be at home. They're supposed to be one of those teams that dominate at home, and they just were terrible uh, until the very end last night. 49-45, to 45, Arizona's 4-0, but they have no shot to, to make it deep in the Pac-12. I'm sorry. This is Rich Rodriguez. This is a coach that can't score to, or stop someone to save his life, but the Hail Mary, it worked, so... Move on to seven, Nebraska at home against Miami. Trey, no surprise there. Nebraska took care of business. I think they won by, like, what, 10 points or 17, something like that. They they looked okay, but it's still Miami. Miami's terrible. Yeah, I mean, a good win for Nebraska, though. I mean, Miami struggled – or, excuse me, Nebraska struggled with Miami for a while until that Duke-Johnson fumble. This is actually a pretty good game to watch until that point. Nebraska did what they're supposed to do at home just pull away. So, I mean, good that Nebraska did what they're supposed to against Miami, who is down right now. But, hey, this was a big game from the schedule. Um, but, you know, good for Nebraska being 4-0. They haven't looked great getting there, but we'll see how they develop. You talk about a tough schedule. The West Virginia Mountaineers, 2-2 two and two now after that loss to Oklahoma, 45-33. to They have two losses on the season one to Alabama, one to Oklahoma. So, Trey, how good is West Virginia? I mean, are they are they two and two because of that schedule, or are they actually a team that could do good if they if they were had a weaker schedule? Well, well, we'll know more about that soon. I mean, West Virginia, to me, I look at there and I look at what way Clint Trinket is playing, and I'm like, man, this team could be something uh, if not for playing two of the top five teams in the country right now. Um, you know, who knows? They could be four and zero if they played a different schedule. But that certainly doesn't mean that that they're going to be you know a, a great team. But it, it doesn't look like Clint Trichet has them in the right direction, Tarvin. And it looks like they have a solid quarterback um, for the first time in a while, and that's given them a lot of direction. Well, I know Oklahoma is a powerhouse, they're ranked high, but I still have concerns about that defense. I think. Sooner or later this season, someone's going to get them, and it's because that offense will sputter a little, and the defense will will not be able to hold on. So we'll keep watching the Oklahoma Sooners right now. We skip over five. We talked about LSU, Mississippi State. You almost pulled it off, Trey. BYU uh, took care of business, and they won 41-33. A very competitive game. Virginia, nothing to hold their head in shame about. They, they came to play, and, and they represented the ACC well. Yeah, I mean, this was one of those teams that for a while looked like it was going to go that route, and just Virginia, again, folded in the fourth quarter. Uh, but if it wasn't for that, Tarvin, I really think that we would have had a different outcome. Yeah, it was a decent game. BYU, they're they're projected to go undefeated and, and actually possibly make the Final Four. I hope that doesn't happen. But let's move to number three game real quick, Trey. The Alabama Crimson Tide with, to me, their first true test this year, especially defensively. Florida comes in, and they get railroaded, Trey. Florida's offense, Dreskel is – I mean, he's, he may be the – this may be the worst offense in the country after watching Florida yesterday, Trey. They're terrible. Yeah, I mean, this is just one of those things. That, in Florida at first, Tarvin, they were getting all these turnovers, and I thought, wow, this is, this is going to be something. And then – they just imploded, Tarvin. It went from a, a game that I think a lot of Florida fans would have been very proud of, watching their team, you know, fight and all those turnovers and really sort of smack Alabama in the mouth at first, to a, a the game that just went, I mean, to a brutal onslaught. 
uh, and just made you cause or just have a lot of question marks about where Florida is in the program because, I mean, it was almost like two different teams were on that field at times. It was like a Jekyll and Hyde performance. Yeah, Alabama looked good. Blake Sims, what do you think about the quarterback for Alabama, Blake Sims? He had a record-setting day, really, especially personally. He almost broke the Alabama passing record with all those yards. I mean, is this something that you, you look at Blake Sims right now and you say, okay, I'm buying in, I'm on Alabama, or are you still concerned and you want to see more? Well, I'm getting to the point, Tar, where I'm converted. I am a, I'm a believer in Blake Sims now. I still think that he could be prone to turnovers because this is his first season, and sometimes his throws aren't very accurate at times. But he's getting better every week, and every time I see him, he's better. And that's scary if you're an opponent because – I mean, Blake Sims is not regressing. And, and, in fact, the first time that he got tested and he got hit a little bit in Florida and he had a couple of guys, you know, forced turnovers, he didn't look scary, Tarvin. He came back and hit some T-balls that were pretty impressive throws. So, Tarvin, I, I think Blake Sims is the right choice. Yeah, it, it always helps Blake Sims when you have someone like Amari Cooper that you can throw the ball to. This kid is phenomenal. You know, at first, you know, when the season started, projections came out, NFL drafts, Sammy Coates was was up there higher than Amari Cooper, and, and I was on the Sammy Coates bandwagon. Granted, it's early in the season, but I just don't see a receiver in college football that can do what Amari Cooper can do. He He's up there with Julio Jones, possibly better trade than Julio will be once he makes it to the NFL. Yeah, I think he may be the best receiver the album's ever had. I mean, he is incredible. I think that people are just now starting to give him Heisman type of comments, but he deserves every one of them, Carmen. He has been putting out monstrous PlayStation NCAA football type of numbers if there was an NCAA football. Uh, you just have to think, I mean, you thought that if Vernon Hargraves can't shut Amari Cooper down at all, then there's not a there's not a cornerback in, the, in that schedule that's going to have any more success because, I mean, Hargraves is a first-round pick, and he was getting toasty, Tarvin. <laughs> so he got toasted a couple times, and I just got to think that Amari Cooper is not going to be stopped this year. No, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to hurt him to stop him, so that's the only thing. I, do you worry about Amari Cooper getting too much action? We've seen four games so far, and in every game he's been used and thrown to a ton. I mean, does that concern you? If you're a Bama fan out there, the possibility of getting dinged up and 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 hurt. I, I don't think it concerns you because I mean he's not like a running back. He's not taking that kind of contact, and he's not a slot receiver, so he's not like he's going across the middle a lot. I mean he's he's a fly guy. He's flying all, all over the deep balls. So for me, I'm not so concerned. I think for uh, you know. Unless unless you're concerned from a long-term, you know, NFL type of uh, concern, uh, I don't even think that's even a worry, man. I mean, he, he's, he's not a Wes Walker type of slack guy who's taking a lot of his hit. Where are Alabama fans at tonight out there? Think they're still hungover? <laughs> well, I think they may have uh, celebrated a little bit, Tarvin. Yeah, I thought, I thought Jason would be happy as Gophers won a game when he'd call in, but... Uh... I guess not, but that takes us to the number two game, the one dear to my heart. The Auburn Tigers went on the road Thursday night to, to play the 20th-ranked Kansas State Wildcats, and it was a, a hostile crowd, Trey, and it was a lot closer than people thought, 20-14. to 14. But the surprising thing is, to me in this game, is, is the defense of Auburn held Kansas State, Trey, to 40 yards rushing, held Waters to negative six yards rushing and, and actually looked pretty good on defense. Auburn finally has a top 20 defense statistically, something they haven't had in 10 years there. So tell us your thoughts of this game. Well, I mean, to me, Kansas State played, uh, honestly, about, about like I thought they would. I mean, they didn't play that well. Uh, they, I mean, offensively they were moving the football a little more than I thought they would. I mean, what were they, seven times? Uh, in the 50, under the 50 for uh, Auburn, and they came away with, what, three points? Something ridiculous. So, I mean, for that respect, they played better. But, I mean, this still was a team that made a ton of mistakes. Uh, 
that just looked like they, they had a an Auburn team that was almost sleepwalking at times, Sarvin. Yeah, Auburn, you know, they started out 0 five on third downs and they, they came back and and you look at the numbers, they really I mean they were ten of eight or excuse me, wrong stat there, but they started out 0 five, Trey and they ended up 8 for 14 on third downs. That was the key to their win on the road. Was after that 0-5 start, uh, they went 8, well, 8 for 9 or something like that for third down. That's, that's huge. They didn't have any fourth down conversions. But to hold Kansas State to 285 yards, something that hadn't been done in years there, that, that's saying something. But you look at the offensive side, everybody wants to know, why did Auburn struggle? You know, I mean, was it the wind? What was it? They struggled because the offensive line could not win the battle up front. And this is the first time I've I've seen it under Gus Malzahn. I think they had an off night, which the pace wasn't as good. This was a Big 12 crew, and Gus Malzahn came out and said, Trey, that they wouldn't spot the ball fast like the SEC officials do. They would take their time when Auburn was trying to get up there, and they couldn't get a rhythm. And if Auburn's not running the football, they're not getting in any rhythm. And, and that that's what frustrated me about watching the game. And if you if you're a defense out there, I don't think you you saw the blueprint how to stop Auburn. I mean, every team's seen this blueprint and they've tried it and it's failed. Kansas State succeeded, but if Auburn's offensive line is is clicking on all cylinders, they're going to be able to score a lot of points. But that was just a an early test on the road tray a Thursday night where I, I think it's going to benefit Auburn in the long run that they struggled like this in a big game, but they won. That's the main thing. They can they can take away from this that they, they came out with a W, they survived, and I, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I think he, obviously all that really matters is a win because, I mean, if Auburn were to keep winning, and there's really not an issue. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you win by when you play a tough schedule like Auburn does. So for Auburn, it's just, you know, survive each week, and that's really all that you need, need to do. And, and I went back and passed, and I've, I've, I've shared this on Facebook. If you go back and look at the third game in Auburn's schedule for the last few years, Clemson in 2010, when they and then Mississippi State right before that, they just were struggling a little bit with rhythm and timing, and then they hit a new cylinder. Last year, the third game, Mississippi State, they pulled it out 24-20 to 20 with a last-minute drive and won, and it kind of – kick their offense into another gear. I look to see that this offense keeps improving. A lot of drop passes on Thursday night, Trey, uncharacteristic of of Duke Williams. He hasn't, he hasn't dropped the ball since eighth grade until the other night. But um, I don't know if you remember the third and nine play at the end of the game where Auburn was going to have to punt back, but they had enough confidence in their quarterback and Duke Williams to throw that ball down the sideline, caught it in the game. I mean, I know Marshall struggles from time to time, but it seems Trey makes those big plays when he has to. Yeah, I mean, your receivers struggle more than you'd like, and Marshall wasn't exactly on point all game long. Um, And so, you know, you can extrapolate that if you really want to. But, I mean, I think people just have bad games. Well, I mean, we'll see if it matters. Until I see it twice, Carvin, I'm not going to get too concerned with Auburn. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's what I said. If you if you see a pattern, once is not a pattern. You go back, they play Louisiana Tech, but if they come and play LSU in two weeks and they struggle like that, then I will be I will be concerned. I think Auburn should be able to to take care of LSU, but if if it's a problem, do you think we'll see problems against Louisiana Tech this Saturday? No, Louisiana Tech is really bad this year. I mean, they're they're not one of those. 10 win teams that goes to a bowl. I mean, this is this is a, a bad mid-level team. You won't have a problem at all. But do you play your starters to, if you feel like it, it could be an issue, do you play your starters more to develop that rhythm and to take it into LSU, or do you play a lot of backups this weekend? Well, I think you play them the first half, and if, if things are going well, I think that may be all you play them. But I mean, we'll, we'll, obviously, I think the score will will determine that. If you know, if it's a forty-eight to nothing game at halftime, I don't think you bring him out at, at half. No, especially when you you can get a quarterback hurt. Uh, quick update: three to three, Pittsburgh, Carolina, ten twenty-six left until halftime. Pittsburgh has the ball across midfield and moving. Uh, very boring game so far that I'm being able to see. But the Auburn Tigers. I mean, they're still not getting any love. They're number five in the polls. They're the only team in the top, I think, six that doesn't have a first-place vote. But that really doesn't matter. Right now what matters is 
win, move on to the next one. Very happy once it's all said and done, Trey, that, that Auburn pulled out a win, just like Florida State pulled it out last night at home without Jameis Winston, Trey. Clemson, to me, and I was going to ask you, I mean, Clemson has the ball fourth down and one twice in that game, and both times they're in a shotgun formation and they get stuck. One one went over their head, actually. But do you think there Clemson should have went under center with a quarterback and did a sneak? Because it's risky against an athletic, physical team like Florida State to take that five yards in the backfield when you only need an inch. Well, you know, I think I look at that play in, in real time. I didn't have an issue with it at real time because of how well he was running the ball um, out of the shotgun. And I think it was being very successful, at least in short yardage. Uh, and so I didn't have an issue with it. Obviously, I think the outcome wasn't great for, for Clemson. But that wasn't what I think. I think, you know, well, the under center shotgun, I think that's easy to second guess. I, I think there are other things that you can rely on. Clemson should have won the game. I mean, they, the fumble at the end of the game when they were driving, um, that that was the, the big deciding factor. The missed field goals. I mean, there were other issues. Um, you know, the snap over the head. A lot of guys on the field really choked in that game. I, I don't know if that, that call mattered that much. Where does Florida State go from here right now? You watched them play, what, three or four games? I mean, are, are they the number one team in your opinion right now, like the polls have them? No, I, I, you know, I'll push my top four out, Tarvin, but I don't, you know, I didn't have Florida State number one last week, uh, and I don't have them number one this week uh, because I haven't seen a team that has come together yet. Now, last night I saw a defense that overcame a lot of adversity, Tarvin, and then. I think a lot of people aren't talking about that. Uh, Mario Edwards left with a concussion about uh, give or take halfway through the game before halftime. And he is the superstar on that defense. He's a guy who could be a top five, top ten pick. Uh, and he left. And when he left and Florida State was already a little bit a little bit depleted on that line from the Citadel game, um, you, know, you, you had to think that, you know, this is a team that is going to give up a lot of yards. They, they, this is where they seem to gel. And we saw uh, Goldman really play his best game as a collegiate. And so, Tarvin, I think that is some cause for, for looking at Florida State to maybe gel. However, uh, the offense we can't judge at all because of how terrible McGuire played. Uh, I think people look at the end result and say McGuire overcame a lot of adversity and and he did. I mean, the fact that he had to get notified of his start for the full game three days ago, it's a lot different preparation when you're the yeah. backup. His parents, the almost didn't even his parents almost didn't make the game. <laughs> they sold their tickets. I know. So, I mean, McGuire played decently well. I'll give him credit for having I – mean, he, he prepped very, very much. Um, and, you know, so – but he did make some pretty bad plays in that game. He played like a guy who had three days to prepare for that game. And so the offense, Tarvin, is an incomplete. We still haven't seen them play to a championship Final Four level in my book. Yeah, CBS's rankings came out, power poll, who's going to be in, Oregon 1, Auburn 2, Oklahoma 3, and Texas A&M 4 right now. Florida State was fifth. They dropped from 4 to 5, and Bama was at 9, and they came up to 6. I think that's kind of odd, though, but – you know, they 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 said one thing about Auburn is the committee is they really right now are impressed with that win at Kansas State, and some Auburn fans aren't. But from polling the committee and talking to the committee, they were really impressed going into a hostile environment like that and and finding ways to win. And that that's one thing that people, you know, we're four weeks into the season, Trey, and and there's still a lot of cupcakes on the schedule. We go into this Saturday a lot of bad games. I mean, how long is this going to last? Do you think this is going to be the last year we start seeing all these cupcakes scheduled? Because I think the committee may try to send a message this year to some team. Well, it takes some time to adjust the schedule, Tarvin, but I think you'll start, you already started to see a lot of people um, changing their schedule, adding more people on the schedule. And I think it started a slow process. We're definitely going to see more and more quality opponents um, because I think the committee is going to really um, place an emphasis on strength of schedule. I really think that's going to be a huge emphasis. 
It is in the baseball tournament. It is in the college basketball tournament. So I don't know why we wouldn't think it wouldn't play out in the uh, in the first football tournament, if you will. Uh, I think it's going to matter greatly, if all, and that's one of the reasons why Auburn has the ability to win every game very close because I think they play one of the toughest schedules in the nation, and that will benefit them greatly. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited to see how it how it all turns out. But Trey, before we go, I mean. How did Missouri lose a home game to Indiana? I mean, is Indiana a team that that we don't know about that is real good or something? Tell me a little bit about Indiana. Indiana isn't very good. The fact that the number 18 Missouri Tigers got beat at home by – this is the Big Ten. Remember, this is the Big Ten Mm -hmm. that, you know – this this is not a conference that is impressive in any way, and for Indiana to go into Missouri and beat, man, this is a bad loss. And the bad loss, and it's not just a bad loss for Missouri. This is a bad loss for UGA. It's a bad loss for South Carolina as well, because you know Missouri needed to kind of be ranked because the West is so well stacked that the West is so sort of you know you can you could see a one loss West team getting in pretty easily, right? Um, yep. You can't see it in East team, especially with Missouri being getting beaten by an Indiana team at home. That hurts. That hurts UGA a lot. And I saw ESPN's Final Four, if you will, or Power Four, and they had Georgia fourth, Tarvin. And I, I don't see how. <laughs> I just can't believe people still have Georgia in the Final Four. I don't know. Maybe they're they're just low and girly or something. I don't I mean, and if their schedule is bad, but you said it perfect. It wasn't just a, a loss for Missouri in the S. It was a loss for the SEC. And what happens when Missouri beats Georgia or South Carolina? How bad does that? I mean, that's what I look at. If you're comparing teams and you lost to Missouri, well, they haven't played anybody but Central Florida. But they Indiana came into their house and beat them. So what happens when South Carolina or Georgia maybe go to Missouri and they lose? I mean, this is terrible. Missouri needed to be in that top 15, you know, or something when they when they beat you, so it doesn't make you go down as much. But if Missouri upset Georgia or South Carolina, it's going to be devastating. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a loss. That none, I mean, Georgia can't lose again anyway. But, well, actually, neither one of them can. But, you know, it's one of those things that could have domino effects if, you know, if this, if that, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, Georgia needed – because Georgia, you have to go in and they beat Missouri – they wanted the Missouri that they could beat and look good versus the Missouri who they go in and they whip and we're like, okay, well, of course they got beat by Georgia. Georgia lost, you know, Missouri lost at home to Indiana, and so that will come right back up. Well, the, a team we're kind of keeping our eye on, this, or I'm keeping my eye on, the Arkansas Razorbacks played Northern Illinois, Trey, beat them 52-14. to 14. I mean, is, is Arkansas improving a lot or competition they're playing not that good? I think a little bit of both, Tarvin. I think that they are improving, but they have, certainly aren't beating quality opponents. So any chance you're giving a little preview to next weekend, I'm sure Texas A&M and Arkansas will be on your list. Any chance Arkansas can go into a neutral side in Dallas and, and upset Texas A&M? You know, that's not one of the upsets I have to watch for. Uh, and, Tarvin, let me ask you this. ESPN College Game Day is going to watch the South Carolina game in Missouri. What? No, they're not. Yeah. Yeah, they're going, they're going, they're going to South Carolina to watch Missouri play them. Let me ask you this. Um is that a better game for some reason that I'm not seeing than than some other games on the schedule? So a, a South Carolina team that that got skull drugged by Texas A&M at home, and then they almost—I mean—they're in a dogfight with Vanderbilt. I know they beat Georgia, but Missouri losing to Indiana. Indiana. What's appealing about that? I would go to Dallas if I was College Game Day and go to the Arkansas Texas A&M game before I would. I would go to that one. I mean, you have what other games we have that day in the top 25. I mean, it's not a great lineup. Again, here we are five weeks into the season. We're going to be in, in no great games, Trey. The ranked teams, there should be no upsets, really, 
if you look at it. I guess that's the best game they could find, honestly. I want you to look at the they... top 25 schedule. I'll, I'll name them for you real quick. And remember, Thursdays don't count. Georgia hosts Tennessee, Michigan State, Wyoming, Florida State, North Carolina State. I mean, Wisconsin, South Florida. Stanford goes to Washington. I mean, that could be intriguing, actually. Uh, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Nebraska, Illinois. I mean, really? I mean, I guess that's the only reason they chose it. That's the only way they can, only place they can go. Maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe that's it. It's just yeah. It's uh, another week with not a lot. On the, I mean, it, it, near the end of the week, we're gonna start getting here real soon, Tarvin. Where there's just so many games in the top 25 that are ranked. It is just, it is kind of surprising that you know here here we are a month into the season, and I don't know if there's a top 25 matchup next week. There is not, Trey. There is not because Missouri lost. I mean, wow, you're you're going to have a tough time coming up with ten games next week. I'll put it to you that way. You're you're you have your this could be the worst week of college football that I've ever seen. It is terrible, uh, but I'll do my best. <laughs> well, all right, buddy. Well, thanks everybody for listening to us tonight. Catch us in the archive if you've missed us live. I know a lot of people like to watch Sunday night football. We do too, but you know the show must go on. Trey, uh, we'll see you Wednesday night at eight thirty. PM Eastern and hit us up on Twitter at Way In Sports. Trey does a great job of, of running Twitter for us. Follow me on Twitter at Alan Tarvin, A L L E N Tarvin, T A R V I N. Trey has his own. I can't remember his right now. But follow us on Twitter. Go to Facebook. Like our page. Join our, our Way In Sports group. We have a lot of discussions every day in the group, some great people in the group as well. It's not one of these groups where you go in and you get cussed out just for being there and having an opinion. It's actually intelligent conversation. We try our best to have it the most intelligent we can. But um, this show did pick, now just to remind people before we go, we did pick Mississippi State to go into Baton Rouge at night and win. So that's two weeks in a row we pulled the upset, South Carolina over Georgia, now we have Mississippi State over LSU. We may have another special one for you this week if if one allows. There's not a big schedule, but trust me, when it comes to, to picking these games, we do a great job at it. Until Sunday, or Wednesday, excuse me, uh, have a great week, and we'll see you at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Into this world all alone Gotta take your soul on your own